Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. Well, this morning... I'm going to begin a a message that I'm going to spread out over the next week or two. Um, I think it's such an important topic that I don't want to just skim across the top of it. I want to be able to, to dig into it a little bit. And what I want to talk about is our life moving forward once we have been saved. And um, we're, we're looking at from the point of salvation moving forward. And I, what this section of scripture that we're looking at, um, it'll be in Romans 7, 14 to 25, is where Paul is struggling with the sin in his life. And I think that if we can study this and understand it and kind of get it out in the open where we're able to, to really get it, then it will help us to live the Christian life more successfully with more victory. You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And so what, what I'm wanting to do is, is bring the truth out so that we understand this. Now, Part of the, a major part of the gospel message is the, the doctrine of justification by faith. And what justification means is that we, we are made right with God. It is, it is a great truth that God's righteousness is credited to those who believe. In, in other words, God's righteousness, which is, is foreign to every human being, is then given to the person when they accept Christ. And, uh, you know, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are declared or credited with righteousness. We are righteous before God. And that's, that's tremendous for us to understand. Now, the, the other side of the coin from justification is what we call sanctification. And sanctification means to be set apart. We are set apart for God and we are set apart from sin. It's kind of like Teflon. Sin doesn't stick to us anymore. You know, and, and that's, that's important for us to understand that um, sanctification is the process of becoming more and more and more Christ-like. Now, it's, under, it's important to understand that God doesn't just say you are righteous. He makes us righteous. And this, this is so critical. If we can get this, if we can understand this, then there is power in living the godly life. 
So sanctification and justification begin at the moment of, of salvation. We are made completely right with God, but then the process of sanctification begins to sand us down, if you will. You know, think of sandpaper on wood, you know, taking out the roughness. And that's what sanctification does. And it, it's, it's critical that we get this. In Galatians 2.20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.17, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So in Christ, <clears throat> the old person has become a corpse, a dead body. What you were, who you were is dead, done, gone, eliminated. It's a corpse. And a corpse by definition is a body that doesn't have any life left in it. So that person that you were has ceased to exist. And that's why we use words like transformation. And it's not just that we receive something added to us. It is a literal death of everything that you were before you came to Christ. And that's the whole picture of baptism that we just did, is that you are being buried to your old life. It's done away with. It's gone. It, it's kaput. Uh, good German word there. But it is raised in Jesus Christ. Now, this new life is created holy. It is created righteous. It is created pure. It is. And why is that? Because it was given to us. It, it was done by God. Only God can, can create what is pure and holy and righteous. And so this new life that we are given not only is pure and righteous, it is also eternal. The new life, this new person that all believers have is beyond the reach, beyond the contamination of sin. The new self is so pure. Hear this. The new self is so pure that it is acceptable to God and ready for heaven. Do you realize that, that the, the spirit of God living in you is, is complete? It is holy. It is absolutely perfect. The old self is gone. The old has died. It has ceased to live. And that's why, again, we talk about being in Christ, being a new creation. And it's important for us to understand this because too often what happens is we make a profession of faith in Christ. We begin to, to walk with Christ, but we, we continue to act and to think like there hasn't been a change, you know, that the, we go around thinking the same old way. We we go around living the same old way and, you know, having the same kind of mindset. And and again, the, the purpose of sanctification is to sand away 
our old self, to do away with our old self, and that we go through the transformation in our, our flesh, in our worldly body. You know, the, the fact is that as a born-again Christian, and, and this, is, this is cool when you stop to think about it, as a born-again Christian, for the very first time, righteousness which used to be foreign to, to our nature, is now your normal nature. And sin, which used to be what we were completely, is now foreign to us. John Newton, who um, I think most people know who he is, he's the guy who wrote Amazing Grace. Well, before he came to Christ, he was a very wicked man. He was a slave trader for his profession, and he was just not a nice person. But when he came to Christ, he had a new understanding, a new identity. And this is what he wrote. He says, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I am not even what I hoped to be. But by the cross of Christ, I am not what I was. And that is exactly right. When we die as a believer, our inner person is not going to be changed. It is already heaven ready. You know, it is already prepared. And maybe that surprises you that, that there is, if you're a born again Christian, you know, sometimes it seems like that, that can't be true that, that I have that righteousness in me. But you do. You have the spirit of God, the living, holy God of heaven dwelling inside you. And, and that's why we groan. <laughs> um, Paul wrote in Romans 8, beginning with verse 21, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Why do we groan? Because we're distressed, because we agonize within ourselves on the inside. We're waiting, we're waiting for that adoption to take place. We're waiting for the redemption of our, our earthly bodies. You know, the problem is not that there's something wrong with our new nature. It's rather that because of our new nature, we are now abundantly aware of how broken, how fallen our, our earthly bodies are. Using adoption as a metaphor, imagine there's a little child living in an, an orphanage and a family comes and that child and this family are paired up together. They're connected. And there's this instant bond. There's this love that, that is generated. And this child is going to be adopted by this family. And there's, there's such love there and, and excitement. And the child is going to have a new name. And, and they're, they're going to go and live with this family. But because of the legal process and because of some, some things that have to be worked out, the child has to stay at the orphanage a little longer. And every day that child wakes up still at the orphanage, 
They groan because they know what awaits them. They know the new life that's waiting for them. They know the new joy that's waiting for them. And every time they turn around and they see the, the gray walls of, of the, the orphanage and they, they have to put up with all of the stuff that goes on there, they just, they're groaning inside because they know that's not where they belong anymore. That's the picture of, of us as Christians, that every day becomes a burden. It's a hardship because we know this is not who we are and this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And so we long for heaven. We long for that, that transformation to ourselves. At the end of Philippians chapter 3, um, Paul talks about the fact that our citizenship is now in heaven. And he says, we eagerly wait. What is it we're waiting for? We're waiting for our Savior, Jesus Christ, who's going to come and transform us from the humble state that we are in. Now, if we're given the life that only God can give, if, if we have within us the righteousness, the holiness of God, how is it that we keep on sinning? It, it, it creates this tension. And that's what Romans 7 is dealing with, is, is that there, there is this tension now that exists within the believer because they understand that this is not right. This life is broken. This life is, is a mess and, and I long to be holy. I long to be right. I long to be in the presence of God. And yet every day I'm faced with the reality that, that surrounds me. We are a holy seed, but we are inside of an unholy shell. And, and we're tied to weakness and we're tied to wickedness and, and, and we're broken. And it's not just our body, it's everything about us, our thought processes, our emotions, our will, all of it is corrupt. You and I can't have a, a completely pure thought because of the sin that, that we, we have in us. Sin can still be very powerful in our lives, even though it no longer is the ruler of our life. In Romans 6, 14, it says sin is no longer the master over us. That means that it no longer dominates us in the way that it once did. And but it's still extremely present. And as a result, it's extremely upsetting. It is a battle to subdue it. The sanctification process is not a passive one. It is it is very much a, a literal war. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, I beat my body to bring it into submission, lest in preaching to others I might become a castaway. I have to engage in literally a war against my humanity, against my, my flesh. Romans 12.1 tells us that we are to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. In other words, every day, every day we put our body 
We put our life, we put our mind, we put everything that we are about on the altar of God and we sacrifice it to God. We say, God, it is yours. Take it, do with it as you will. It cannot be in control of me. Now, at the same time we're doing that, we are also putting, you know, as we are being living sacrifices, we are to renew our minds so that we can be transformed. You know, it's not just a physical process. It is a mental, it is an emotional, and it's, it, it, it means that we engage the word of God so that the word of God can have a greater impact in our lives. Paul uses the language in 1 Corinthians 9 of fighting a battle to the death. You know, it, it, it's, it's like two gladiators and only one of them is going to live. The bottom line is this. Sin is not our master anymore, but it is still very much present in our lives. And with that in mind, what we're looking at in Romans 7 is... This passage where Paul is, is grieving, he's lamenting, he's, he's struggling because of the painful, the painful aspect of his life. You know, he, he, he realizes that this is not the way it's supposed to be. And, and it's important for us to understand this. And, and that's why, I, again, I'm spreading this message out over a couple of weeks so that we can really dig into this because it's so easy to become defeated. It's so easy to go, I must not be saved because I tell you, I can't do anything right. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. He, in verse 14, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. So he begins in verse 14 by saying that he knows that the law is spiritual. And what that means is that it comes from God. It is, it is given to us from, from the spirit of God. The law is is a reflection of God's holy and divine nature. And so when he says the law is spiritual, what he's saying is there is this, this perfect law. There is this, this perfect understanding from God, but I'm a flesh. And so I can't relate in my flesh to what is spiritual I am a flesh sold into bondage. So what he's saying is, I know the law is good, but I also know that I'm not, that I'm a sinner and that, that I can't, I can't measure up. Now, it's important that we, we pay attention to the way Paul words things because he doesn't say I am in the flesh. And that's important because if he were to say I am in the flesh, he would be saying I am still unsaved. For instance, in Romans 7, 5, it says, while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. So when a person is in the flesh, it means that they are unsaved, that their actions are producing death. And this is important to understand that every action 
of an unsaved person is leading them to death. Even if they do something that we would say is a good thing because it, it, it can't connect to God. Romans 8, 8 tells us that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So everything an unbeliever does falls short. It, it doesn't matter how good someone may think it is. So he's not saying I'm in the flesh. He's saying that the flesh still is holding on to me. At the end of verse 25, he says, with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So he's, he's saying that in my old unredeemed nature, it, it's still attached to me. It's still there. And if you're being honest, if you are a born again Christian, this is your reality. This is my reality. As Christians, even though we have been freed from sin, we are still being actively, aggressively grabbed hold of by it. That, that we, we end up having it pulling us. You know, Paul goes further in saying that he's sold into bondage to sin. What that means is even though we have been set free from sin, we sometimes willingly re-enter into sin. You know, we, we intentionally do what we know is wrong. And so Paul is telling us that we're still susceptible. We can still succumb to sin. We've been freed from it, but we, that doesn't mean that we, we can't fall back into it. And that makes it worse. Because, and this is why Paul is lamenting, he's, he's, he's frustrated with it because it, it just won't go away. Now, when Paul says that he's sold under sin, he's, he's not saying that he lost his salvation. He's just saying that I find myself voluntarily engaging in, in what is wrong and therefore I'm re-enslaving myself. You know, the law of God is spiritual. We have a new nature. It, it is a spiritual nature that loves God and it wants to obey God. But our reality is we still powerfully sin. And, and so you see this tension. Verse 15 says, for that which I'm doing, I do not understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I'm doing the very thing I hate. You can almost see him go pounding his, his table. You know, th there's this, this inner conflict. Now, it's important also to understand that if, if you don't have this conflict, that's a bad thing. Because what that means is that you are not in conflict with your sin. You know, the only way that we know we're saved at times is the fact that we are frustrated by the sin that is in our lives. And if you're not frustrated by the sin in your life, it means probably that you're not saved. And, and, and I think that that's, that's an important thing to understand. There should be this conflict going on in your life.
We have a new nature. God's presence is in our life. And, and, and the, that voice that, that we now have, the Holy Spirit in our life, wants to honor God and wants to glorify God and wants to obey God. But then there's this other reality that still is drawn to sin and wants to sin. And, and there's a, just a horrible stress that that creates. Now, First John reminds us that as believers, we are to admit our sin. We are to confess our sin. And again, if, if you're saying, I, I don't have that problem, I, I think my sin is just fine. Uh, you know, uh, that is a problem that, you know, please understand that. So Paul is doing what he doesn't want to do. But the new nature it wants, it, you know, it, it isn't happening. And so then in verses 16 and 17, he says, if I do the very thing I do not wish to do, I agree with the law, confessing that it's good. So this is so important. He says, so now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me. Paul is saying this is foreign to who I am. This whole sin thing, it's not me anymore. It is, it is an alien that, that is attached, to, that's attached to my life, and it's not me anymore. There's a, a wonderful story of St. Augustine. Uh, when he was a young man, he was very promiscuous and he, he was living the, the wildlife, but he had a godly mother who prayed for him faithfully. And he, when he came to Christ, he walked away from his old life. And one day he was walking down the street and he came upon a prostitute that he used to, um, spend time with. And he just walked right by her. And she says, Hey, Augie baby. Hey, it's me. And he stopped and he turned around and he says, yes, but it is no longer me. And that's the, that's the mindset that we have to have. Our old nature has to die. We have to reject it. We have to do everything we can to get rid of it. You know, we are a new creation. And as a result, we have to, we have to live a life that, that is striving toward that glory, striving toward that holiness, striving toward that, that righteousness. Notice in, in verse 17, the, the phrase that says, so now, no longer. And what he's saying is, is now, since the time of my, my, my salvation, sin is no longer welcome in my life. It's no longer allowed. It's no longer, uh, it, it's no longer acceptable in my life. It's no longer the real me. Hey, you know, we are reborn and, and we are reborn incorruptible. That means that the spirit that is living in each believer is an eternal, perfect life given by God. And it will never, ever die. It will never go away. But I am still attached to my foreign self. Um, we all know that Paul was from the city of Tarsus. 
And I'm going to talk about this a little bit next week, but one, there was a tribe of people that lived near Tarsus that when someone would commit a murder in, in this culture, what they would do is they would take the murderer and they would lay them down on the ground face down. And then they would take the body of the person they murdered and they would attach that person to them. Wrist to wrist, back to back, legs to legs. And then they would take that person and force them out into the wilderness so that this living person is now having to carry the dead body literally attached to them. And they attached them so tightly that the person couldn't possibly wiggle out. And what would end up happening is the death of one would ultimately lead to the death of the other. It was a hideous way to, to carry out a capital punishment. But I think Paul has this, mind, this, this picture in his mind as he's talking about this, that, that I'm, I'm subjected to this flesh, this, this body, and, and it's not me, but I can't get it off of me. I can't get rid of it. It's attached to me, and it's tearing me up. You know, our, our humanness is still very present in our lives. You know, when we, when we become a Christian, we get this, this eternal life given to us. But at the same time, we still have the vestiges of our old self. And you say, well, wh what exactly are you talking about? Well, Galatians 5 gives us um, a, a picture Galatians 5 tells us that my humanness is still producing immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, dispute, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and a whole list of things like that. That's, that's what our old nature does. It produces all of this wrong, all of this evil. And those are the type of things that, that are characterized people who aren't believers, but at the same time, they are the residual still in our bodies. And that's why salvation isn't complete. Salvation begins at the moment of, of Christ entering into our life. But for as long as we live this earthly life, we are having to go through this sanctification process of of eliminating the sin that is, is present in our lives. And it is a battle. It is a war. It is a fight to the death. And we have to understand that. And we have to be aggressive in going after it. This is critical. I'm going to stop here until next week. But I would want to, to encourage you to, to read Romans 7 and Romans 8 um, this week. Just meditate on that. Read through Romans 7 and 8, you know, maybe several times. Because this is, this is the battle, and it's a real thing. And again, not to, to beat a dead horse, as the saying goes, but if you don't have this conflict... That should be a red flag to you if you believe yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should be having trouble with sin. <laughs> um, it, it should be a very real issue in your life. 
Now, again, we'll, we'll pick this up next time, but I hope that this message is at least getting you kind of started down the path of realizing that there's, there's um, a, a battle that is being waged and, and how we can be victorious in it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the gift of being able to come together to worship you, to celebrate you, to, to support each other, to fellowship with each other, to lift each other up and encourage each other. And Father, my prayer is that you will use this message to help us to understand that there's nothing wrong with us when we struggle with sin, that that's normal and that should be happening. What's the problem, Lord, is when we give in to the sin and we, and we cooperate with it. And Father, I just pray that you will help us in the transformation, that you will help us in the sanctification, that you will help us to embrace the work that is necessary to rid our lives of sin. Not that we'll ever be successful, but we're on the right track, Lord, and I just thank you for that. And I, I just, I pray for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, please come down on us. Move with power in our midst. Change us, Lord, from the inside out. God, let us be real. Let us be authentic. Let us be broken, humble servants of you who carry out your work for your glory. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.